Welcome to Everything's Totally Fine. I'm Allie Hawk, and I'll be your host this week. Every other Tuesday, we bring you people who share stories about their lives. These aren't just any people. They're the toughest we can find. Join us to hear about the times we pretend everything's totally fine. Our guest this week is the founder of the Science Education Initiative, which takes undergrad students and trains them to be part-time science and math teachers in underserved communities in India. He's Indian. Right now, Abhilash is getting his PhD in astrophysics at Caltech, or as he says, I, I literally get paid to think about space. And I'm like, you know, that's, that's really a gift. Abhilash is a friend of mine and a Rhodes Scholar, which he got in 2008, which I did not know until I Googled him. He's super humble. But where is Oxford? Uh, Oxford is about 30 minutes from London. It's about 30 minutes uh, south of London, I would have to say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so you're living there in the dorms. I was living, yeah, I was living this like um, sweet little uh, apartment almost, uh, very close to this, you know, 13th century, uh, 13th century college. Um, every term, which was every three months or so, uh, graduate students, I was counted as a graduate student. The graduate students were allowed to go to what was called the high table. So there was this like elevated uh, platform where uh, professors would go and, and dine every night. The whole dinner would cost the college anywhere between 3000 to $4,000 a night. It was a ridiculously, you know, there was just tons of wine, great food. And how many people would be at so there would be about 30 people at this um, at this dinner. And then there would be a lot of uh, undergraduates who are not, you know, considered, deemed not high enough to sit at the high table. Oh, so, okay. Uh, so they're sitting just at the ground level. At the ground level. <laughs> and then there are these literally elevated tables. Right. So were you invited to sit at one of those tables? Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, so, so I was invited once um i've been in england for maybe a month and i'm invited to this uh to the high table and this was the first time i'm wearing a suit to dinner so you know i'm wearing this slightly baggy suit with a robe like literally a robe a black robe uh and i was told i was very categorically told over email that if i did not wear the robe i would not be allowed to sit in the uh, for dinner and how did did they give you the robe? Oh, you're supposed to buy the robe when you get there. So when you get there, they, yeah. So when you when you get there, one of the first few things that they ask you to buy, um, along with you know bed sheets and pillows and <laughs> uh, and and this and such, you you're supposed to buy a robe. Uh, and you wear these robe to 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 exams, and you also wear these robes to formal events like like these dinners. Okay. And so. I put on a suit and the robe and, and go to dinner and I'm, I'm really uncomfortable around these very uh, old professors sitting around because I had like no idea what to talk about. Um, and you know, the sort of nerdy science kid who has no idea what the classics is. Like I, I literally asked a classics professor, so like, what do you study in classics? And he looks at me <laughs> like, <laughs> like how, how does this bumpkin not know what Greek and Latin is? <laughs> So they, they started serving dessert, and the dessert said uh, minced pies. And I'm vegetarian, and I was, you know, I was very, very careful about making sure that the food that I was eating was not meat. 
I was served mid spice and I look up at the lady who was serving us and I was like, uh, does this have meat in it? And she just looks at me and says, this is minced pies. Uh, and I was like, okay, but does it have meat in it? And <laughs> she's like, sir, this is minced pies. Minced pies don't have meat. <laughs> and, and so I think I, I was very confused at this point because I I had I had read about shepherd's pies. So I thought, well, you know, minced pies got to have meat. And uh, what did the classics professor have to say about that? I think at that point he just had given up on me. He just like looked at me and like started eating. Had you considered just not eating the dessert? I think I just would have frozen up and not. I love spoken. dessert way too much. <laughs> <laughs> I I'll give up on food, but dessert not. Uh, <laughs> so. Math has never been a strong suit, it sounds like. No, never. I, I don't know why that was the case, but yeah, I was, I was, math was just a very, uh, was, was a big, big problem for me. And so your mom decided in eighth grade to do something about yeah, you. So she, um, in all her wisdom, decides that <laughs> she needs to send me to a program for gifted kids in math. Um, and she really sort of, uh, you know, put in a lot of effort to make sure that I, I got into this program. I don't know how, uh, how, how she did that, but I did. And, and uh, you were growing up, you grew up in India. I grew up in India, yeah. I grew up in this small town in India. I, I was never at the top of the class or anything. I was somewhere in the middle, maybe. And that was a big problem for my mom because, you know, you, you as, as an Indian kid, you, you expected to perform well academically. And... Uh, uh, so that that definitely sort of uh, created a major created a major crisis for the family at some point. <laughs> and did you feel stressed out about that? Um, at some point, yes, I felt I felt a little stressed out about the fact that you know you you see your peers around you who are doing pretty well, and then um, okay, you know, so you don't you're not interested in math, and then your mom wants you to go to this. This program for, the, for for gifted kids. Uh, I hate that word gifted, but anyway. <laughs> I, was, I was I was at this very weird point in my life. Where I was like, you know what? I I need to figure out something where I I don't suck. I was terrible at sports. I could not do anything in sports. I was like, okay, maybe I should like do something uh, which is good. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're like, I'm going to pick something and I'm going to be good at it. Yes, and that that was exactly it. I mean, that that I basically was like, I need to something and be good at it and sports was not gonna work out and I was like okay you know math seems hard let's try it and this one teacher basically says you're never going to be um you're never going to be good at this that is the point when I was like no I have to be good at math and I, I really worked hard for this one summer after eighth grade okay. and I'm, I'm very grateful so in in retrospect I'm very grateful that my mom sent me to this program <laughs> because uh yeah I mean as as harsh as it might sound initially that you know it was it was a place which was deeply discomforting i I think you know discomfort maybe is a good thing at times you know it just pushes you in a way which is which is good yeah so you started to enjoy math after that i did yeah 
and then you went on to Oxford. Well, you, so, went to, you went through high school. I went through high school. I went to college in India, three-year college. And after that, I moved to Oxford. You know, I, when I started getting interested in math, I, I also started getting very interested in physics. And part of the reason was that, you know, physics was this bridge where you take abstract mathematical ideas and you apply to the world around you. You're using equations to describe reality and somehow reality seems to work. And at that point, it just seemed magical. So you were like on a track now and you were excited about what you were doing. I was, yeah. And I I was doing reasonably well in, in college in India. And so um, I got a fellowship uh, to go to Oxford. And I was like, okay, this is great. Um, I'm going to go do, do well. I was, I guess I was a little cocky back then. <laughs> for you a you're, little, you're good at your thing. You found it. I'm like, good yeah, I'm, I'm good at this. And I remember going to the first meeting with my college advisor. You know, I was this sort of awkward twenty-something uh, Indian kid who walks in, and this professor is like, "Oh, there's some sherry in here." I was like, "Why? Why would you have sherry <laughs> at an academic meeting?" And did you uh, take some? No, I had orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is a very sort of. Uh, stereotypical English professor, right, you know, in a tweed jacket, sipping sherry in, in this old office. Uh, and he's like, oh, it, it, it looks like you're doing fine. But it seems like your grade is at the bottom of the class. And I was like, okay, that did not, like, register very well with me. And and you had no idea? Yeah, it, it, it was just, it was a big shock for me. And this was a time when I was just like, I, I think, yeah, it, it, I, I was just way, way too confident of my abilities at, at uh, coming in. And that sort of helped me calibrate. I was like, oh, shit, I'm, I'm not really good at this. And that was in physics? That was in physics, yeah. And... Uh, and I think that sort of started this this year of my life when I was like, maybe uh, I, you know, maybe I just gotten here by flu. And so you must have been, your classmates must have been your friends and you're studying with them and hanging out with them. And so did you start to compare yourself to them? Because if you're at the bottom of the class, then you might naturally think, oh, they're all doing better. Yeah, so I, I started talking to them and they were very friendly. I, I think I, I also started to withdraw my withdraw into myself a little bit where um, I would not reach out for help and, you know, I would not go and and socialize very much because I, I was just feeling very shitty about myself for, for this one year. I was, I was on the verge of sort of basically thinking, well, you know, maybe I should just get a degree which is not that good and go somewhere and you know do something else and, yeah I was doing better by by the time by the, by the end of the first year um, but I still wasn't in a point where I was definitely not in the top 20% of the class uh, I was very average um, or slightly above average I would say yeah and did your mom know Yes, she did. Was <laughs> she trying to send you to an Excel gifted physics <laughs> No, so she, at that point, I think she, uh, she changed tracks into being the supportive mom who's like always trying to remind me that I was lucky enough to, to be at the place. So you've, you finished up then the second year. My second year, yeah. At Oxford and then yeah. you moved to Pasadena. Uh, I went back to India for a, for a bit, uh, for, for a year actually. I deferred uh, for a year, went back to India, um, and then came back uh, to Pasadena. Yeah. 
And then math rears its ugly head again while you're at Caltech. Uh, yeah, so I was never, I'm, I've, I was never good at sort of addition. Like, you know, the, the kind of math you do to, to fix a bill, it's, it's not something that I was very good at. Like the mental math sort of? Yes, okay. I'm, I'm terrible at, at that. And so I remember, uh, so we have a qualifying exam before you can begin your research uh, at the end of the first year of the program. And so at this point, you have a graduate degree from Oxford. Yes. In? Physics. Okay. And I have finished one year of coursework at Caltech. Okay. And I am in this exam where a panel of professors are supposed to basically sit down and test me as to whether I know the basic things required for me to go and start doing independent research. And amongst them was my own advisor, um, who's, who's extremely sweet and, and very supportive. And I, I think there was, there was a professor who was a MacArthur genius. And there were three other professors who were extremely smart. And what does the room look like? I'm just picturing like you in the middle of a room and them like sitting. They're sitting around in, uh, and you're the only t- student. I'm the only student sitting, standing at a blackboard, basically being asked questions, and I'm 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 sort of working out the questions on the board. You have to like perform in front of a, a genius. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that. <laughs> and I was halfway through the test. I was like, I'm bombing this. I am like, this is going, this is horrible. So I was I was working something out and I was basically supposed to subtract nine from sixteen. Sixteen minus nine. And I start counting with my fingers. <laughs> and I look up and and the professors are just looking at me aghast. And did you and like I, smile and laugh and wave? Um I don't just... I was just too nervous. I think I was just way too nervous. And this this kind of became part of uh, part of the graduate student community folklore. They, they they always talk about how I looked one when I stepped out of the the room, and apparently I just like I my expression my expression was like oh my god oh my god oh my god I'm gonna fail oh my god. I, I sort of like being in a place where I'm not completely comfortable. I, I think that that just is more fun at times. Yeah, have you had moments where you're just like humming along, living in the US, not having been born here, but have a pretty good feeling of the culture and someone will call you out on something that you didn't even know? So English is technically my third language and I bungle up prepositions a lot. And so I remember this one time I had an argument with a coworker and I'm furious and I, I call up my friends and I'm like, I need to win. And I was like, he was being so rude. And so I told him on his face, my friends just like burst out laughing. I was like, what the hell? Why are you guys laughing? You, you mean to his face. And like, you're pissed. <laughs> and I'm really pissed. Like, I have no idea what I just said, okay? I had a, like in maybe seventh or eighth grade, I had a teacher, I like wanted to take advanced English in high school, and she was like, well, you're just, I don't know, I think you're ready for it, you're, mm-hmm. you're not there. And so I just kind of internalized that, and I was like, that's just not where I'm at. But then, I, it was just, I just wasn't being challenged, and so I made the jump to take AP my senior year. And so I was in a class with people who had, it was a pretty small group, so they had taken all the advanced English together all the other years of mm-hmm. high school. And so I, I kind of felt like I didn't belong in a way. 
and we did popcorn reading. I don't know if you're familiar with this. No. Where you just get called on rant. Someone will read a certain you're reading story out loud uh-huh. and then they'll say like popcorn your name and then you have to pick up oh, reading, so reading on the spot. oh okay yeah yeah so i'm like sitting there just praying that i don't get called on some asshole popcorns me <laughs> and so I, I was reading out loud and uh and i wasn't familiar with melancholy uh-huh. so i said melancholy <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. like at least in years, yeah. like people laughed. Mine, it was just si- it was just silent, and I just kept yeah. reading because I didn't know that that wasn't the word. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of my friends tell me that the reason it's very funny when I say it is because like for the most part I'm okay, and there's this like one word which you say really, really you butcher the word, and people are like, oh my god, that just like you know sounds horrible. Right. So, it's like just, it really just stands so out. So incorrect. It's yeah. so incorrect, like, and it like, on his really face. stands stands out, and like <laughs> on his face. And oh god, so yeah, this I I remember I have I I forget uh, there's this one word which I used to used for a very long time in an incorrect way until a friend pointed out like no this is not how you say it yeah and then you have to think back like oh man how many times have I have just I been <laughs> confidently incorrectly using right that word? exactly and so and like you know when when uh, since I've been in the country for for about four years now and you know you kind of get comfortable talking in the language and you feel I mean I, I talk in English more than I talk in my native tongue and so it becomes really sort of jarring at one point when someone points out okay that's not how you say it and I'm like oh shit and so now how do you feel you you're about to finish up at Caltech mm-hmm. and potentially start a new exciting program do you, does any part of you still feel like an imposter um yes uh, I think I think part of it is I think I'm more aware of it in some sense where, you know, I for, for the longest part, I think imposter syndrome uh, as a very real thing was just not a part of the conversation in academia. Like people, you realize that, you know, everyone feels that way and like no one talked about it. And the interesting thing in the past five years or so is that you just had a lot of people who started speaking out and they were like, oh, I've been feeling this way too. And so almost if all my friends uh, who I consider are incredibly smart uh, feel, you know, when I talk to them, I'm like, you know, they say that they, they, they feel the same. And, um, and I think just recognizing that, you know, that is a part of an experience just makes it easier and, and you're sort of able to look at it in a more clinical way and able to, able to deal with it instead of just feeling like, Oh, I'm the only person who feels that way because I'm an idiot and everyone else is smart. And so, yeah, it's the double imposter syndrome where you're like, I'm the only one suffering from imposter syndrome. syndrome. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's that can be the truth, though. It's like you and your friends, so a group of people, and every single person in that group could be feeling, I'm a fraud. Yes. I shouldn't be here. Yeah. I'm the one person that doesn't belong. And, yeah. the whole, and every, yeah. every single person could be thinking think that. I think that's that, yeah. And I, I think it's it's really surprising the number of people who go through that. And um, I remember a friend of mine told me that this MacArthur Genius uh, Award winner who was on my, on my panel, so she confided to him that uh, she was you know she had imposter syndrome and he laughed and he said oh that's how i felt my entire career at caltech and we were like okay like you know this is this is 
one of the smartest people uh, on the faculty. And it's it's sort of interesting to see that you had him feeling the same way too. And, and probably, you know, feeling feeling like an imposter can be a healthy thing at times, as long as it's not crippling. A little bit of discomfort, the fact that you don't belong, might be just a healthy sign that you are questioning yourself and that you sort of pushing yourself to be more than what is expected from you. It's a terrible thing when it's happening to you. You feel shitty. <laughs> I mean, those nights when you are staring at a computer screen trying to finish up the fifth draft of a paper, which you hate and you think that, you know, you should not be writing because it's terrible and you've wasted your life and, you know, that you get the idea. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, so I think I think in the middle of that, it's very, very hard to sort of look back and say, oh, this is, this is, um, you're going to be okay. But I think it's, I, I think as long as you are a little more empathetic towards yourself in many ways, you know, it's, it's important to sort of put yourself in that larger context and be like, yeah, it's okay to just mess up occasionally once in a while. If you mess up and you feel shitty, other people are messing up and feeling shitty too. So that's cool. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Put yourself in uncomfortable situations and know that it's going to suck sometimes. <laughs> but at the end of the day, give yourself dessert. Yeah. Give yourself dessert. <laughs> that's exactly. Mince pie specifically. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at ETF Show and tune in every other Tuesday for new episodes. Art by Jen Hamilton. Danny Janino composed our theme music. Thanks for listening.